Welcome to Rust Belt Startup, a podcast about reconstructing remarkable let's do this. Now, I don't know about you, but I love taking the train places. And I haven't taken the train all that many places, actually. Pretty much New York. Um, but I love just being able to sit down and have some spacious leg room and, uh, and be able to, to chill out as we, as we go from the beautiful upstate New York region and get more and more urban until finally arriving at Penn or Grand Central Station and being right in the middle of everything instantly. I love that you just get off this train and you're in this beautiful craziness that is uh, New York City. And a couple weeks ago, I was, I was in New York for a couple of days going to a conference called VoiceCon. It was the, the first of its kind. And it was a, a day-long, uh, very long, but good conference full of, of panels and, uh, and, and brands and, and, and marketing folks and technologists all talking about what's coming down the pike when it comes to voice. And so most of us are really familiar, you know, when we think of how, how do we interact with our computers using voice, it's, it's probably a few things, voice memos, speech to text, um, asking Siri for something and having uh, her reply that I don't understand you or I can't help you, um, or interacting with Google Home or Alexa. And that was kind of really the, the, the focus of this. So what I wanted to do today, this is going to be a shorty episode, a, a toolbox episode, a, um, a mini-sode. And I figured I would give you guys the notes, the insights, and some of the things that I learned and took away from going down to Manhattan and spending a day immersed in all of this stuff. So this is Finding Your Voice at VoiceCon. Let's just start at the beginning. 20% of adults have access to a smart speaker, and that's up from 1% two years ago. It's getting adopted way faster than the smartphone market. So you remember, was it 2007 when Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone? Today, we're introducing three revolutionary products of this class. An iPod, a phone, and an internet communicator. An iPod, a phone. Are you getting it? These are not three separate devices. This is one device. And we are calling it iPhone. Today, think about what the device did, and but more importantly, what it didn't do, right? It didn't have GPS. It didn't even have copy and paste, and it sure didn't have apps. But the introduction of that device really changed everything, and I think we're kind of in the same early stages with smart speakers. And this is the thing that really hit home with me and, and that I, I genuinely love about the Internet and technology. Um, you know, you may have missed the dot-com boom, right? You may not have bought those domain names that you should have bought 20 years ago that you could sell for thousands of dollars. Uh, maybe you missed uh, getting in on e-commerce or, or being early with social or, or being an early YouTuber, right? These, these platforms tend to get saturated after, after several years, right? But every few years, every three to five years, there's another 
set of waterfront property, right? There's another thing that you can be first at. You get another chance to put a stake in the ground and be a big player. And, and voice and Alexa skills and developing for these devices is one of those next waves. They likened it to beachfront property. There's no more beachfront property out there, right? But with the internet, we continue to build beachfront property. So before I get too deep into this, I have a confession to make. I do not own an Amazon Echo or any kind of smart speaker. I'm all about technology and home automation. We have uh, the Philips Hue lights in the house, and I constantly am doing voice-to-text with Siri because uh, that's about all that it's good for at this point, but, but I use voice-to-text quite a bit. Um, and one of the reasons that, that we don't have uh, an Echo in the house yet, I'm, I'm convinced that we'll, we'll get one, is um, you know the privacy thing is holding me back a little bit. Um, basically, if, if, you, if you're not aware of this, you probably should be. Every time you speak a query into Alexa, your voice is, is recorded. There's something about having that, that array of microphones always on, listening for that keyword. And then when you, you actually speak that keyword, your voice goes up to Amazon. It creeps me out a little bit. And I know this is probably the least of my worries with privacy, but, but there it is. And if you want to check this out, you can actually log into your Amazon account and go under your Echo devices. You can actually listen to your voice uh, every time you've ever asked Alexa to do something, right? So your voice is out there. Now, that's got some great implications, and it's got some scary implications. We're aware of the scary ones. But with those voice samples, Alexa gets better over time, right? She's going to get better at, at learning how you speak, when you speak, and, and, and what you mean when you speak. But time and time again, whether that's um, you know adopting smartphones, cell phones even, social media, uh, time and time again, we tend to trade a degree of privacy for convenience and speed. I mean, look at how we all the stuff we've posted to Facebook, right? Look at Google now, all the stuff we put into Google, our search history, everything we've ever searched for, Google technically has that, right? Google knows more about you than any of your friends. And Google now, we trust Google to understand our habits, whether that's our, our driving patterns or the things that we search for. And if you use Google now, if you're an Android uh, phone user, it tries to predict what you're going to need, where you're going to go, and, and what you're going to do, right? We, that's convenient. It provides value. And a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us are willing to trade that privacy for uh, that speed and convenience. How many of you guys have a little person in your life that, you know, under the age of five, they totally understand who Alexa is, that's very important, but also how to use Alexa, whether that's to play some music or get the weather, play a game, something like that, right? There's an entire generation of kids that speaking to your speaker or your computer or your device, that is the default. They understand that this is how you can get something out of a system, right? They've never known a time where you couldn't speak to a device, right? They've never not known that we didn't have touch screens. So it's, this behavior is being baked into folks. And so it's, it's not coming, it's not going to go away. They're always going to innately know that they can interact using voice. That's the sign of what's to come. But make no mistake, Alexa exists to make it easier for you to order more stuff from Amazon, period. You know, we're going to build a lot of really interesting things on top of that, but it exists to help Amazon capture more of your purchasing power. 
Now, when you get to the point of asking Alexa to order batteries, and I mean asking for batteries, not Duracell, not you know another brand, if you just ask Alexa for batteries, chances are she'll recommend something that's off-brand or, or even better for Amazon, an Amazon Basics battery, not Duracell. And Amazon can then take a larger and larger slice of that retail pie, right? Because you're asking, Alexa, uh, you're asking Alexa for batteries, you're not asking for the brand. And so in some ways, the brand gets diluted. If we're not really concerned about brand, those brands that have invested tons of money um, before this, uh, if we don't care about the brand, they're going to lose market share. You can think of it in another way. You know, maybe brands have never been more important. And your job as someone who's in, in marketing or, or that has a niche product or even a, a, any uh, CPG product, consumer uh, packaged goods, you want me to ask Alexa for your product by name. That's how you win. You want me to ask for Duracell, not batteries. Let's talk about thinking different and sounding different. What does your brand, what does your business sound like? How do you think about voice-first environments without screens? What if you had to watch a movie without the picture? You know, there was a, there was a YouTuber I used to follow. His name was Tommy Edison, um, and he was the blind film critic. And he would he would do YouTube reviews of movies um, that he that he couldn't see. He was he was uh, you know he would basically give you his impression of the plot strictly from the soundscapes and it gives you a different way of thinking about how a scene or or uh, or something visual it would have to be perceived using only sound and this is something that businesses are really going to have to think about let's look at a few big companies that do this really well think of t-mobile and netflix You know, we recognize the sonic branding of these companies, not just the logo. The, the sonic branding has, has actually become part of the logo. And they've spent a lot of money and a lot of time getting us to recognize those sounds. And that's going to have a lot of intrinsic value as we transition to voice. You didn't see the logo there, but you just heard the little effects. And you could tell which is which. I guarantee it, right? Disney's a master at this, too. They, they try similar sonic branding across TV shows that are targeted at the same age groups. We also learn really fast through melody. It's, it's really memorable. So think of um, the ABCs or another memorable melody. When you're, instead of a sound effect, if you're trying to think about sonic branding, think about using a melody because our brain tends to retain that more than just a sound effect. And when you're using voice, this is something that I thought was really interesting too. These smart speakers, these virtual assistants, they're being thought of as people, and I'm using air quotes as I say people, right? Because it's a conversation. You're asking for something, the speaker is responding in common language. And so the way that you interact with these devices is going to be important. It's going to be a part of what informs people about your business. I know this sounds crazy, right? But if you're going to use a voice actor or you're going to write a script for Alexa to read, is your brand funny and quirky? Is it serious? And what? how are you using words differently uh, depending on the brand that you're trying to, um, or, or the emotion that you're trying to convey? Does your, does your brand say thanks or does it say thank you? 
we don't think about these things. They mean the same thing, but the way that they're going to be perceived by the user is going to be slightly different. And so we're going to have to think about the language and the intonation that we use when we're developing these applications for voice because it's going to change the way that users perceive it. Now, understanding language and linguistics is also going to be really important too because we might want to, let's just use the, the, um, the difference between space and astronomy. Right? Someone may want to learn about space, another person might want to learn about astronomy. If you're building out keywords and descriptions only using space and not astronomy, you may miss out on a lot of potential users. And so understanding vernacular and the way that we, um, the way that we have conversations around different topics is going to be more important than ever. Keywords are going to translate to voice. So you have to really understand, uh, you know, get a, th get a thesaurus. You'll have to really be thinking about synonyms. So what makes a good app? I mean, because ultimately, all the stuff that you're building for Google Home or, or Echo or maybe someday Siri, they're all just apps. They're just voice apps. So, so what makes something good? Is what you're building, first of all, is it worth attention? Are you making something easier? Are you solving a problem or are you entertaining someone? Your, your app, your skill should be doing one or more of those things. One of the examples that they gave us was uh, an Alexa skill called Happy Hour, which I thought was really interesting. It's actually um, um, built by the, um, the overarching brand that owns Johnny Walker. And so what they do is they, they build this app. It's not an ad for Johnny Walker. You actually wouldn't necessarily know that it's, that it's made by Johnny Walker. But you can, you can load up the app and you can do some fun things with it. You can ask it what Snoop's favorite drink is and Snoop will respond about his favorite drink and how to make it. That's an easy one. Anything with Tangeray, baby. But it's basically a, um, a voice bartender where you can ask it how to make a particular kind of cocktail. It will spit out the recipe. Now, of course, it's probably going to spit out Johnny Walker or their brands as priority liquors, right? So there's some, there's some value there um, on, on the long game from their perspective, but it adds, it adds value to the user, right? They're helping us do something. What's something that can become part of someone's daily routine? Is it, is it checking the weather? Is it, as, as my friend Zach was, was, we were talking about the other night, um, you know, is it checking the powder conditions on the mountain, right? What's something that you'd want to check on a daily routine? That's something that would add value to someone's life. And most importantly, I think for folks that are thinking about building out a, a skill of some sort, do one thing. Do one thing really, really well. If you're thinking, if you're a business and you're thinking about what do we do, well, what are the top three things that your users do on their mobile device every 24 hours? Build a skill that lets them do that with voice. That's a great place to start. But you need to build something that does one good thing, it, that makes people feel successful, and then spend the money on getting people to understand it and to use it. Because once you make people happy with that first thing, then you kind of have this intrinsic permission to build a second thing. This is all about solving a problem, providing convenience, or giving people some entertainment. One of the examples they used at the conference that I thought was great was um, an example from Gimlet Media. They, they have the very, very successful podcast startup and uh, Reply All, amongst others. They're a great company. Uh, they created... Uh, an Alexa skill that was a podcast called Chompers, and it was uh, a, a podcast for kids designed to get them to brush their teeth more. Hey, we're glad you're back. It's time for Chompers, your morning and night toothbrushing show. 
Start with the teeth on the top of your mouth. Pick a side and make circles with your brush. Three, two, one, brush. It's music week on Chompers. And, and uh, you can you can download that uh, on, on um, and really any platform from Gimlet, but um, take a listen to it and see what you think. So after a whole day of this conference and, and listening to dozens and dozens of people talk about um, what's in the pipe, where's this going from a big picture perspective? Here's what I came away with. Nobody really knows. There's a lot of opportunity out there, but no one really has a really great grasp on where all this stuff is going. There's some creepy things in the works where you'll be able to design your own synthetic voice. So, for example, if you wanted uh, Siri to be the voice of your mom, right, or your partner or something, you'd be able to actually, um, or they would be able to read some sample audio and pacing, and then algorithms will actually design a synthetic version of them, and they could become the voice of your smart assistant. And this is going to get really creepy and really weird really fast, right? Also, the speakers are going to start recognizing who is speaking to it. It's, it's going to know that Ryan is speaking to it versus Bob, right? So you'll have this vocal fingerprint that will be good and bad because it'll be able to customize things specifically to you, but also it's going to know more and more and more and more about you. So all in all, great day. I had a great time in Manhattan, met some very interesting folks, and, and I'm really pumped to see um, what communities and individuals are going to build for these things because, you know, who doesn't want to own some new waterfront property? This is your chance. Thanks a lot for taking a deep dive with me. If you like this podcast, we're going to be back in two weeks with more great interviews. As I mentioned before, we're going to we're going to do these episodes every once in a while that are more toolbox monologue oriented. We'll be back with great interviews in two weeks on Rust Belt Startup. Two things: if you have not subscribed to the monthly ish email newsletter, please do that. It's the only place you're going to get some great audio extras, some great downloadable stuff, and find out what's happening next. And secondly, if you're digging the show, which I hope you are, please, please, please rate us in the iTunes store. Leave us a comment. Leave a review. It really helps with search, and it makes me feel all good inside. So I'll see you guys in two weeks. Thanks so much for tuning in to Rust Belt Startup. <laughs>